Welcome to She Podcast. Here are your sexy and beautiful hosts, Jess and Elsie. Hello, Jessica. Hi, Elsie. <laughs> I'm always so, so You never cute. know how to say hi, do you? No, I don't. And I like the pause. It's, it's like this. It's it's kind of like you're putting on the costume. The costume yeah. over your... This is my she persona. It's your persona. Yeah. It's like it I changes all the time. Do. Yeah. <laughs> but I it's fun. But that is that. you. That is you, though. That's the it thing. Is. That is you. It is oh me. Oh, my God. Yes, it is you. So um, we're going to get right in it today because it, really, I don't want to sit in front of this computer and sweat into places of my body that... Ew. I know. It's just too much. Thanks. Too much information for, yeah, it's just not something I want to do. Too much for everybody. Right oh my God, yeah. But you know what happened? And it's so, it's, this is so interesting because we get this question a lot, especially in podcasting school for women. I've seen it come up and also just randomly in the She Podcast Facebook group. But people go, like, should we launch in during um, summer because summertime, you know, people go out, your numbers go down and all this kind of stuff. And it's so interesting to me that Steve Jobs released the podcasting feature for iTunes. So this would be iTunes 4.9, 10 years ago, June 28th, which is a day before this. So the Sunday is Monday. So yesterday, basically. Wow. 10 years ago so in cool. the summertime. So it was really... it's. So- Cool. Yeah, that was like the first time that so podcast didn't always, you know, iTunes was not really all always the boss of the podcast. <laughs> right. right. And so right. it was really great that he he really released it over in I think WWDC 10 years ago after their keynote and WWDC is a worldwide developer conference for Apple. So, and he not to be confused with WWF or WWE. <laughs> Yeah, not 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 at all. Uh, to do with nothing. No, 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 no. So, let me, oh my gosh, and check this out. Uh, this is something from uh, the press release. iTunes users can now easily subscribe to over three thousand free podcasts and have each new episode automatically delivered over the internet. Three thousand, Jess. They started with three thousand. I, mean, I think. Oh, the variety! I know exactly. <laughs> I think that that, I, I don't know how many, but there's obviously now six figures worth of podcast inside of the of iTunes. <clears throat> I can't remember exactly the number, but I thought that was so funny. And this is what Steve said 10 years ago. Apple is taking podcasting mainstream by building it in, right into iTunes. Apple CEO says uh, podcasting is the next generation of radio and users can now subscribe to over 3,000 free podcasts and have each new episode automatically delivered over the internet to their computer and iPod. Not neato. And it's, it, it's. I mean, I can't believe it was that long ago, honestly. It, it, yeah. And then he's saying it's now taking podcasting mainstream and it's still not mainstream 10 years later. But still, I mean, no, he was very foreseeing. And, uh, of course, in the foresightful, foresightful, foreseeing, I don't know, all knowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm shuffling. I'm sorry. I know you can probably hear that. I'm really sorry. What are you doing, dude? My mic fell and I'm trying to, yeah, I know I'm a mess. It's never going to be right. Elsie. You know that, don't you? <laughs> People are going to go that Jessica and her microphone. 
I know. I can't win. It's okay. Go ahead. But if you had, but if any of you guys want to read this or uh, this article, uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes as well. And in the article is the actual keynote. And if you're a total geek and you want to get your podcasting history, you're more than welcome to watch Steve Jobs is 10 years ago talking about allowing podcasts to be inside of iTunes, which is pretty awesome. So we super awesome, super awesome. So we just started with this simply because there were some pretty big podcasting news as of this past week. One of them being that we, what we just talked about. And the second one was that Obama, President Obama was on a podcast. Yay. It's so exciting though. Seriously. Yes. I mean, talk about mainstream. I mean, that's not even mainstream. That's just like world stream. Yeah, that is. World I just stream. made that up. That's not even a world. That's not even a word, but like. <laughs> Still, it's huge. It's, it's hugeness. huge. It's hugeness. And it was just, I think, you know, and then there was somebody else that was commenting to every time somebody said like, oh my God, um, Obama was on, you know, WTF with Mark Maron and all this stuff. And there was somebody else, uh, Pod Vader is his name. He uh, is part of Blog Talk Radio. And he keeps saying, well, it's not the first time Obama has done, has done this. Uh, and he kept on saying somebody, it was another gentleman, I think it was Steve somebody or others, and he is... Steve Stewart? It was a, no, no, no. It wasn't Steve Stewart. It was a podcast. It was, um, oh, oh. and it was a, a podcast, I believe he did some stuff for ESPN, this podcaster, other person that Obama was on. But it's not like, but the, he was part of ESPN. He's, a, he's an established journalist. He had, you know, he's been doing journalistic things. He was a journalist, a writer for a long time, the person that prior had Marin on. But it wasn't somebody who, you know, started podcasting from their garage because their career was so low to the ground that he didn't know what else to do. Might as well get out behind the mic before he killed himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's seriously almost like what Marin did. It's like that's every podcaster story. That's what I'm saying. It's like almost every exactly. We all usually just to be seen more or just to be heard more. Or the reason I love it so much is because Mark did come into the space from that from that need to be heard uh, in a different way. Or he just did not kill. I mean, you're really right. Could not. End his life because he was so miserable. Yeah. That's why it's an accomplishment. Because it's not really an accomplishment on Oprah's podcast. Because she's living the high life. It's because Mark started a podcast out of sheer just desperation to get it out. Yeah. And because it's a success, it's what makes it inspirational, I think. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it's taken him, you know, in 2009... Uh, is when he started and he's still doing it. So it's not like, oh, look, the president is in your podcast. You just started. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. He's not going to be on our podcast. It's, it, well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like it seemed he's he's built this up. He's has a voice. He's put it out there. And there's something so lovely about him still podcasting from his garage. It's just just that because most of us do that. Like we all have a garage in quotes where we podcast from. It's not fancy. We don't have all the stuff. It's just full of cluttered stuff. I saw, you know, the pictures that I've been sharing uh, of Marin and, and, and Obama are just so awesome because he really is in his garage. And there's one picture where he has um, the computer and it looks like, I'm telling you, I was looking really, really closely. It looks like he's using GarageBand to record. And I just thought, how what cool else is that? Use? Well, I don't know. What else would he use? Adobe Audition. Did you think he used something else? 
No, because I just thought that it could be logic, you know, logic, the the um, kind of like upgraded or higher end editing software from Apple that looks a lot like GarageBand. Oh, so, the super garage. Band. The super garage band. Yeah, it could have been logic. But still, though, I mean, I just looked over and I'm like, oh, my God, I think that's that's garage band over there. And he had his little notes in front of him. And I wanted to zero in like really, really close in the picture so I could read what he wrote. On the page. <laughs> Such a good idea. Can you? Wouldn't you love to see Mark's like little scribbles on what to ask the president? Yes, of course. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to get really, really as could, close as I can. I bet he could sell those. I know, right? Oh my gosh. It's like a podcast collector's item for sure. It totally would be. But so anyway, it was really fun to see that. And and for you guys, if you missed it, obviously listen, but also listen to Mark's episode that came out on Thursday, because then he talks about um, his experience. So I think that's going to be just as expensive, just as, as, as interesting as, as Obama being on a show, because then he is going to then get behind his own microphone and talk about it. How cool is that? How cool is it that you have a platform to be able to just debrief your own self? (laughs) It's the ultimate in behind the scenes information. Yeah, because that's what I've been. There's also I'm going to put another link in the show notes here. This was shared by uh, Michelle Talbert over on the She Podcasts uh, group, as well as my, you know, Rob Maltz, my other co-host. He put it on our show notes for the feed as well. But there's a podcast. There's an article on Slate and it says an interview with Mark Maron about what it was like to grill Obama and how it happened in the first place. So it's really great. It's a great behind the scenes look into, I guess, for anybody like how you you would be prepared and because everybody kept asking him like, what did that feel like? I mean, he was just tired from doing the preparation. Could you imagine having all those people in your house trying to snipers on your neighbor's, you know, roof and things like that? I can imagine it would be exhausting and overwhelming and a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what if like some funky, weird stuff, some like nasty person decided to just go all crazy. Bomb your house. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. insane. Yeah. And then he was saying, like, the way that he paints the picture of him saying that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, everybody was all ready and he was just trying to figure out, like, what was going on. And then all of a sudden he just feels this energy of, like, people walking in, right? And then and then there he is, you know, Obama with his hand up, Mark, you know, and then, and then it just started. And it's funny because the interview starts from that point. Like Obama didn't really, yeah, Mark did not cut that part out. Like it's like he started recording as soon as the president walked through the door. He's a genius. So then it was just like, Hey, you know, he captured the entire, the entire process of, of the president walking in and sitting down and just getting to it. So I thought that was really cool. So anyway, I will put it, that article on slate, uh, on there for you. So you guys can check it out. Cause I thought it was really awesome. Do you happen to know whether or not he pitched the president or if the president pitched him? I'm so curious about that. I, I don't be- know why. I believe, and, and I'm, I'm not sure that yet because I did read a couple of articles about this prior to the process, but maybe Mark will get in, you know, into it more. But I believe the president called him. I believe. Now, what do you think his motivation would be for that? I don't know. Maybe just to, I don't know. I don't know what the motivation Can't be would to be. promote Hillary. No, and I think he was already going to be there. Maybe it's just something that somebody pitched to him, and he was like, yeah, I'll be on a podcast. <laughs> That'll Get connect me with the people. I don't know. Somebody might have pitched him on it. And, you know, it seems like Obama had his own podcast too, you know. 
When he what? was when he was a senator, yeah. And here's a story. Here's a back a backstory. And uh, did Rob ever tell you this? This is so interesting. Um, oh. So uh, Rob, but this was, I believe, before he was working for Libsyn. Yes, um, he he was doing podcast production for people. You know, people would come and, and work with him. But he was generally doing a little bit more like exclusive uh, podcasting with you know, a little bit higher end people. And he had two senators <laughs> approach him, uh, Senator Edwards and Senator Obama to do his you podcast. You kidding me. And guess who he picked? Oh my God. <laughs> he picked Senator Edwards. <laughs> so he was able to say, I did Senator Edwards podcast until of course, all the stuff happened <laughs> with his wife and the, how awful that cheating was. So now he's like totally embarrassed and he can, he says he can kick himself for passing on Obama. How what are you supposed to know? I know. How are you supposed to know? But I just thought it was a really interesting behind the scenes story uh, of Rob. And so he's actually hilarious. Poor Rob. I know. <laughs> He's like Pete Best of the Beatles. I know. <laughs> he is. That's like a Pete Best classic. Oh, man. So, oh, gosh. But we just got some new numbers that Obama, the Obama episode, hit uh, over 1 million downloads in less than 48 hours. So that was pretty cool. Which is a record, right? It's a record. It's a record. Uh, it's a record. Yes, for, for a podcast as of, yeah, absolutely. So in the first day, he hit a little bit over um, 750,000 downloads in the first 24 hours. Um, mm-hmm. And then it just kind of continued to move from that, from there. Maybe now NPR can stop congratulating themselves for inventing podcasting, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> You're totally right because this is probably one of the most indie, I would say, still indie uh, podcasts that are out there. Because I don't, he's not being. I mean, he's got producers. I mean, he's got people who, who help him with the audio and stuff. But but he, it's not like he's. You know, it's it's the way that we outsource our stuff. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that. That's yeah. how it is. It's not being totally like the the with audio engineers and all of this whole thing about the podcast and stuff that's just not happening it's still mark behind the mic in his garage like that says that's that little line is from heather ordover too like i never saw npr ask acting like they um invented podcasting until one of the articles we're going to talk about today before then i always was like oh no they don't think that but they really do think that they did something i mean and they did do something Good and neat, but they're really acting like it all centers around them now, which I think is... Yeah, we're going to get to some of that stuff very, very soon. Yeah, because it's... Yeah, it's it's worth talking about because we were talking about NPR before, so... But before we get into like the main chunk of like some of our contents that to talk about here, let us kind of deal with some of the feedback that we've gotten or just address some of it. And we've got some feedback that... um, that we got here. So this one is actually was an email sent to us and I'm, and I'm talking about him because, because I'm, I also want to share some of his work as well. So this is from Orlando Mergal and he has a uh, podcast that is all in Spanish and it's called Hablando de Tecnología, which is all about talking about technology. That's what it's about. And he responded to our hater episode. So this is what he said. I love your show. I'm not a girl. <laughs> 
People my, always have to tell us that. I know. My name is Orlando Mergal, and I'm a fellow podcaster. My show is, and then he gives, it's HablandoTecnología.com, which you will find in the show notes, a link in the show notes. Personally, I would have given the hater, uh, personally, I wouldn't have given the hater the light of day. I would have deleted the email and ignored it completely. When you address someone, you indirectly validate their position, even if you don't concur with the other party's way of thinking. I would have just trashed it. Keep up the good work, Orlando Mercado. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's great, too. Usually that's what I do. Um, I tend to do that. But then I think that this one just needed to be addressed. Not necessarily. I think that we saw a bigger issue for the community as a whole. Don't you think, Jess? To kind of like yeah, I mean, cast it was a my little first light. One. Yeah, you're like, it was my first one. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know. And, and no, but I wanted to get under our skin. Totally. And it's, and it's, I think that part of it too is that as a process, all of us are going to get haters. And you will understand because we actually have some more feedback coming up. But he mentioned this, I just wanted to say that he mentioned this in his episode like two weeks ago. Um, he, because he was covering WWDC again, the Worldwide um, Development Conference in, uh, that was just held just about a few weeks ago. And what was really mm-hmm. interesting and what he mentioned is that there were two women that presented at WWDC this time around. And that has not happened, we believe, since in Apple's history, that there have been ever. two women that ever Usually it's, it's the, it's a boys club. And I don't think that there have been two women in, in any kind of keynote that has been one of the in, in quote, important ones that are played out. And WWDC is one of the biggest ones out there. So that was great. And so he covered it from that perspective, from the perspective mm-hmm. of seeing women in this kind of boys club, which generally it is. And so is Silicon Valley for the most part. And in the process of him uh, covering that, he mentioned she podcasts and he mentioned our conversation and whatnot. And of course me, <laughs> because, <laughs> because I am from El Salvador. <laughs> so that was fun. I need to, I need to isolate that little laugh. What? That was really funny. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause it's me. So that was really that was great. So funny. Um, but staying on the topic of haters, we also had some feedback from Taylor and Taylor is from pink heels, pink truck.com. And she's got a podcast that's coming out called Burr boss girl creative. And it launches in July. Uh, and she was sent over to us by our, by our friend and Samoyla from feelers launching. So she's kind of been binge listening. And so she, she has something hi, to say. I know. Hi, hi, Anne. And hi, Taylor. So, what was really funny though, because I'm only, Taylor, I'm only playing the last feedback that you sent because it was very cute. She sent like three pieces of feedback because she ran out of time to talk. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious when people do that. It's like so funny because then it's like there's another one and, and there's another one. And then so it was really cute. And so I'm only playing the last one um, in which she just talks about haters. This is Taylor from uh, pinkhillspinktruck.com. That's my lifestyle blog, but my podcast is. Uh, Boss Girl Creative. It launches July 1st. And I wanted to to kind of follow up because 90 seconds I talk too much and 90 seconds really doesn't give me a whole lot to to talk. So um, yeah, so here I find myself on this GoMe website, which is get off my internet. So I don't know if I said that a while ago. A lot of bloggers are being put on GoMe and I've always been like, I don't want to be on GoMe. Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to cause problems. I don't want to push people's buttons. Um, I just want to be able to teach people what I'm learning. And so as I was 
going through Google uh, after I accidentally Googled my blog instead of typing it in the URL and find myself on the second page, the second line in or the first line in, which is, you know, as far as keyword search, that would put me at, you know, second page, first position, um, is this thread talking about how no one should take me seriously with my hashtag, uh, which is blogging education. And when I started my blogging tips series, it, I was still, I was probably a year into blogging and I thought it was a fun play on, there's no rule book about blogging. Like there's, there's no guide. There's no, like we're kind of inventing things as we go. Trends change. And so I thought it was a fun play on that there is no education really out there until we create it or write it. So that's where hashtag blogging education came from. So here I am four years in. I've written over 40-something lessons into my blogging education series, education series. And I find this thread. And thank, they didn't link to me, uh, to my actual website. So that's why I never saw it. This was created uh, like in January of 2013 or... 24, no, January 2014. I don't remember. It was a year ago. And there were only like eight people or eight threads or whatever comments. And one of them actually said, which I find is funny because I, I now know who the girl is that said it, which makes it even funnier. Um, she was like, she writes, okay, so the person says, you know, people shouldn't take her seriously. Her blog's nothing special. I bet she started this own, her own thread to gain street credit, which I literally laughed at because, I mean, whatever. And then one girl pipes in and sa says, I met her in person and she is super obnoxious. Wow, really? Because I know who you are now and... I, I mean, it's, she's like a friend of me. Like, it's the kind of person that you keep close to keep tabs on to make sure that, that, that nothing's going wrong. Um, but you don't, like, give any more credit other than that. So, anyways, I find it funny that, um, you know, you guys talked about how most, um, like, reporters and people, you know, in the journalism industry stay on the outside and I guess I've kind of just done that like not maybe purposefully or you know like been conscious of that but I run the Texas Women Bloggers and I have to you know maintain an air of I can't get in the middle of things I have to squash things before they start and I just find it funny to find myself on this horrible website go me and I mean, it's horrible that other people end up on this this website anyway. Like I, these people use their screens to uh, hide themselves. Like they would never say these things to people's faces. And like in in person, in real life, if I have a problem, I'm going to tell you. Uh, I don't have a problem sharing, you know, my opinion or whatever. Uh, and so maybe that's why it doesn't affect me. And I I know the moment that I push publish on this podcast that is going to net me some more of that. And I, I mean, you're just going to have to have a thick skin um, and respond with grace 
if you are ever in a position to have to respond. So anyways, I so love y'all's podcast. I'm glad to have found your group. Uh, I'm excited for Podcast Movement 15. It's in my backyard. Um, and I signed up for your workshop. So I'm super excited to meet both of you. And uh, yeah, so I will see you in the Facebook group. Thanks, ladies. Bye. I had never heard of that website that she's talking about. About me neither. Being put on it, but 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 the gist of it is that it sucks to have people saying things that are not true about you, and especially saying things like how and how could you imagine somebody meets us and then publicly goes out on a forum and then says, "Yeah, they're just annoying." <laughs> I met them in real life. They're totally annoying. Super, but hurtful in a way that, like, they don't recognize that we're actually human beings. Yeah. What? Like, why would you do that to anybody? I don't understand. Yeah. That's just I mean, painful. it's like, I could see myself saying something like that about somebody in private or private conversation, you know, but I just can't see myself going in a public forum and, and, and saying somebody's annoying because that's not even or, or or another word, you know, like something that is, I don't know, coming down on a personality thing. Like it just seems so weird to me. I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, know. annoying is something I've been hearing about myself my whole life. So it wouldn't really be a shock for me if somebody on a forum somewhere said I was super annoying. But at the same time, it's just sort of like. I don't know. People are annoyed by all kinds of things. I mean, if you're too loud, if you're too quiet, if you're too arrogant, if you're too abrupt, if you're too just whatever. So, I mean, yeah, that sucks, but it's sort of like, I don't know, maybe for me, like I said, I've been told that my whole life. So I'm just sort of like, yeah, I'm annoying. Oh, well. So here's something that I've been kind of debating about for a while in my own head, you know, because we talked about negative feedback and things like that in the past and reviews mm -hmm. and, and, and iTunes and things like that. You know, it's really hard to get people to review a show, right? It's, it's just, I know mm -hmm. that it's really hard to ask yep. people to go and, and give us a good review. It's challenging not only for us as women, because I find it very hard. We teach it in podcasting school for women and it, and it's so hard for me to, to, to get that point across because it's hard for me to do it, right? So it's already a challenge. And even from a from a user end perspective, meaning there are a lot of podcasts that I adore and I have not gone into iTunes and given them a review. I have gone in and given them a rating because that's really easy. I just tap the little button. <laughs> I just tap the stars. But in order to write something that is not just going like, this is a great show, but something that I've that I've thought about and, and that I really want to offer to other people that are come in there. It just seems to me that that it takes a lot of time. And oftentimes I, I, I don't do it. So my question is about the people who take the time to go into iTunes and give people negative reviews. It seems to me <laughs> that, that it's like, it, for some reason, I love it. she's saying it's such a pain in the ass. They must really be passionate about how much it sucks. Yeah. It just seems like for yeah. whatever reason, the feeling of, of, and I guess I'm saying it to, uh, even to myself, right? Because it just seems like negative feelings about something, whatever that is, instigates action more than good feelings. Am I wrong about that? Because it just no, seems no, like no, no. if I'm happy about a podcast, I'm like, oh my God, they're so great. I love them. And I will tweet out and stuff like that, but I won't go out of my way to go write a review. But if somebody really irks me, 
I have not done this, mind you, but I, I do feel the need sometimes like I'm going to tell people how so much they suck, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it just seems, and that's what gets me. So I guess my, I am imploring you guys that if you, if there's something or if there's a podcast out there that you do really love, go review them because there are people who maybe that podcaster rub them the wrong way or they just, the expectations didn't meet whatever that was. And they go out of their way to discredit them on paper in iTunes. And I've been the receptor of this and it kind of makes me sad because I kind of, is that how you say it? The receptor? I don't even know. Recipient. Recipient. Whatever. okay. And and so it just makes me sad because I go like, there's people who are going out of the way to just rip me to shreds. Why can't the good people come out? <laughs> so, so anyway. No, I, I mean, know. the other part of that is like, I mean, the thing is with iTunes is like you said, it's so difficult to leave a review in the first place that they must really be dedicated yeah. to ruining that person's day. Whereas like for me, I'm okay slapping up a nasty review on Yelp because it's so easy. Okay. But you know what yeah. I mean? But but I would be less likely to do it on iTunes. But Yelp makes it easy to review no matter what, if you like it or don't like it. So um, with the iTunes thing, though, I agree with you. If you like something, give it a review because the people who don't like it really don't like it. Yeah. And it can really it can hurt your feelings. It, but I mean, I think also, you know, maybe we don't need to have our feelings hurt so easily. And like for her to tell me I was nothing, like that shouldn't have bothered me. It just it struck a particular nerve for me because it hit probably something I already worry about. Right. But um, as a web designer, though, like I'm very comfortable being told that someone doesn't like my work because you have to be. I'm never going to get it right on the first try. And I've had clients be like, no, I hate it. And that you have to be okay with that. Yeah. You just have to. You just have to. Yeah, I think so, that there's a um, difference between somebody giving you feedback and then somebody writing a review about you that everybody can read. And and I guess, true. yeah, and, and I've had it happen from a variety of different perspectives. You know, like the, sometimes I'm okay with somebody saying things like their audio quality is not up to par or they tend to ramble on a little bit. That, that's what actually, those are the biggest uh, criticisms for Elsie's yoga class is always that I talk too much. <laughs> Duh. But I like that about your class, but then, actually. But, but also, I think what you're saying is you don't mind if it's constructive. Yes. yes. Which, of course, who would, though, Elsie? Right. It's just that whenever it's something that is a personal, <clears throat> a personal thing or... It's about, and the other thing too, that I guess maybe it's a lesson for all podcasters. When it's, when somebody makes a decision about your podcast based on one of your episodes, and that's what really bothers me because I don't think you can get a a complete understanding of somebody's podcast based on one episode. Yep. Well, that's true, but that's... I don't know. I mean, it's going to take a lot if you don't like that one episode to listen to another. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because if it doesn't like, it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. I get. I get it. I I understand. And 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 I and I guess like I've always given people and and, and think about this, Joe Jess. What if people start to? Because this is what people do. They find our podcast and they listen to episode one. <laughs> so, I know that scares the bejesus I out know, of you. I was it? actually just thinking about it. I'm like, I wonder if we should re-record episode one because we've moved, we've done so much from the beginning. We've changed so much. 
we've grown so much and there's so many different things that we, that we've gone through in the process. Right. And and so it's just answer that for you. No, (laughs) (laughs) because like, I know the audio hasn't really been up to your standards until recently. Like I get that, but I also feel like I don't know. I mean, it's not fair to, you're right. It's not fair to judge a podcast on the oldest one. I think people should start with the newest and then go back to the old ones and see how much people grow. And if you're smart and you're a good, you know, and you're a smart listener, you will do that. But it's kind of like, um, you know, Seinfeld, the first three seasons, they almost weren't, they almost weren't renewed. It didn't really pick up till season four and then it got super popular. And that just happens sometimes. I mean, sometimes you just don't hit your stride till a couple years in. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. what can you do? What if they went back and they were like, well, we have to redo the first seat. I mean, you can't. You just yeah. can't. It's okay. I, I get it. I get it. But it's still frustrating because I'm like, dude, we talk. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's stuff like that that it just drives me bananas. But at the same time, you can always go back. Like, we don't have enough episodes that people can't listen to them all. Because there's, there's some podcasts that have been out for so long, you know, that you you can't. I mean, they have like 400 episodes. <laughs> And I mean, you I mean could. if you want, you could put the old ones behind a paywall, but we better make it cheap because those aren't as good. <laughs> right. No, totally. To- no, I understand. But I was just thinking about that, you know, and then I was, so I think somebody brought this to my attention as well. I forgot where it was. I don't know if it was in the She Podcast group or if it was somewhere else, but it's interesting how everybody just wants everybody to listen and review and everything with your podcast for new and noteworthy in the first four episodes that you put up. And usually those are like your worst episodes that are going to be ever. Yep. You know, and that's like all of the eyes are on you when you suck the most. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, and it's just so weird. It's like, wow, I know that I'll get better. So yeah. So it's, it's, it's very interesting to me to see that. I mean, that yeah, that was definitely unfortunate. I don't know. I guess as a seasoned person, you kind of have to start a new show under the expectation that you're not going to suck. But I mean, things just change. What can you do? Yeah, you can't. You can't do anything. So I don't anyway. know what you can do. Uh, so what? What do you guys think, to- ladies? Do any of you guys yeah. think like how do you how do you deal with like negative reviews that are on your show that are based on something that you might have done? I don't know if you've seen them. And and please don't. If you decide you don't want to have any negativity in your life and you don't want to check your negative reviews, then don't do it. But if you know, because I think <laughs> it's so challenging when you hear when you see somebody else's review that are based on stuff that has already been taken care of. And and this isn't just something that happens just to podcasts. I mean, this happens with apps. Apps too, apps in the iTunes store, where you see like, you know, there's a, there's a first generation of an app that is released and it sucks. And they have, they get like all of these one, one star reviews saying like this app crashes all the time and it's just a waste of your money. Don't buy it. It sucks, but they fixed it. But the reviews that you see are the ones that are the negative ones all the time, because that's the ones people are finding helpful in quotes because you can vote up reviews. So this is why, again, if you're a smart consumer, you'll go by most recent. And that actually applies to Yelp as well. I always look at the most recent, not the most helpful because what if like at the beginning of every, I mean, the same with a restaurant, every time a restaurant opens, it's terrible. The staff doesn't know what they're talking about. They have no idea the flow of the dinner. They don't understand all the ingredients on the menu. If you give it three months, you'll probably have a completely different experience. So it's not fair to judge of like a new restaurant the first time you go. You have to keep going. You know, I mean, it's 
you always go by the most recent reviews on everything. I mean, I would even do everything. Because even products on Amazon, you don't know, like, if they fix whatever problem and have a new version of it. Yeah. and Right? I mean, yeah, totally. And this kind of brings me in, and I'm, we're totally off topic here, but this is another thing that kind of irks me about this kind of stuff. I just, I just want to change the conversation out there about negativity as a whole. Because I also see... The kind of people, you know, anytime I just want to see more love out there from people whenever you love things and whenever things work right to be able to say, gosh, I really love to use this service because it it works. It just works. It's so awesome because most of the time we take it for granted when something works. We just do because it's just part of the way that we move it. And then what I've seen is that when people do come into a problem using something or listening to something, they immediately, if something happens, they'll just get crazy. This doesn't work because of this. I can't believe I just lost my work for so long and blah, blah. And there's all of this negativity out there when, well, it's worked the last hundred times that you've used it. No, (laughs) you just had a problem right now. Right? <laughs> yeah, I agree. People get super drama over, like, if they're trying to do something and user error happens, they, of course, want to blame the product, the yes. company, the CEO, whatever. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think people are, like, super dramatic. But I also think, um, I don't know. There's a whole school of thought around social media and positivity and how we're creating this, like, fake society of things that are always perfect and wonderful in every family. And we don't ever talk about the negative stuff because it's so personal. Yeah. Like and you see people with their happy kids. You don't realize that like their mom and dad are going to get a divorce in the next three months. Yeah. But that's, I think that that's a whole other conversation though, because that's, it is. that's a, yeah, that's a really, I, yeah, I completely agree with you about some of that stuff. That's why I've kind of shifted the way that I share what pictures I share in social media and things like that and how I, I'm actually really conscious about how I position things because I myself, I'm taking very big responsibility to do my best to not seem as if everything is so wonderful. You know, I'll take pictures of my kids from a certain perspective, but it's not, it's not always about like, yay, it's so happy, you know, <laughs> all the time. It's mm-hmm. lovely. Mm-hmm. But, um, what I, what I was more, I, I, I think one of the things that I really love is to be able to really make sure that you pay attention to the things that you do love and you say something about that. That is it. Because yeah. it just seems like we're easier at saying when things suck. It's so much easier for us to do that. I think as a society to just dive and look at the negative, like even with the Obama article, I mean, uh, interview, it's interesting because I listened to the whole thing and I was like, oh, wow, that was so great. And then I started seeing all of these articles about him saying the N word. Oh my God. He said the N word. And I was like, did he like it? I mean, when they were talking about race relations, he did, but he wasn't even talking about the word. He was... It was so right. in the conversation that it didn't merit somebody going off about his use of this word. And right. it just, I was just like, really? That's what you got out of the whole thing. That's what you got out of that whole conversation right. is that you use that word. And you made articles right. about this over and over again. And it was covered by mainstream. What? what? So I don't know. It's just, I think we should well, look. What? I'll use a very personal example Okay. for our listeners. You know, we're all excited about going to podcast movement in August. Yes. They've announced a billion amazing speakers, but who kept getting brought up over and over and over in the group? Glenn Stupid Beck oh, and right. his stupid 
That's true. Um, outlooks on his stupid politics and how, we, you know, I mean, and that there was at least four or five posts about that. I mean, I don't know. Somehow it got, it ended. Yeah. But it wasn't even about Glenn Beck. After a while, I started to see posts about every stupid article on his stupid website too. Right. And it's just like, look, um, <laughs> what about the girls from another round? What about Sarah Koenig? What about Aisha Tyler, who I used to watch on flipping talk soup? Right. That's exciting. Yeah. Who cares about the negative? But it's like, it's like almost like a, um, it's like a car accident. Yeah. You don't stop if you see like a pretty deer, but you'll definitely stop if there are dead people getting into an ambulance. Oh my God. You're so right. Cause it's true. It's just weird. It's just bizarro. And you're right. There's so many things that were going on in that conference that I'm super excited about. And even with us, you know, in comp, not in competition, but yeah, gosh, gosh, it is a competition with us. Like what's going on on the day that we're doing, they're doing like these incredible, like little TEDx mini talks with all of these different voices that are being featured. And there's an, a whole entire like, workshop on soy podcaster which is all latino podcasters like spanish speakers how yeah. cool is that i mean maybe you should go to that <laughs> <laughs> that would well, not I mean, be so good but no probably not no Just but kidding. but what i'm but, saying is that that there's all of these uh, like when was the last time i mean if that women were being that had a whole entire day conference and that Latinos had a whole entire day conference where it's just about, you know, Spanish speaking podcasters. Like, where do you find yeah. that? Why so, don't you ladies post about that in the group? Dang it. <laughs> no, you're right. I just think that maybe we should start not to be like a, how do you say it? You know, when, when somebody's always looking at the good, like there's a word for that. There's a word. I forgot the word. Not an optimist, but like somebody who's like, yay, everything's beautiful and rosy. It's not about that. It's about picking the battles. And if you're going to, and it's about the energy usage that you have. Cause again, leaving an iTunes review is tough. I mean, honestly, sometimes the thing crashes, it doesn't go, it doesn't show up. It, there's so many different things that happen. And then somebody is sitting there and imbuing negative energy into leaving somebody a negative review. You know, it just seems to me that it's just so, I don't know. It just kind of bothers me. Not to say that you shouldn't review honestly. There's a difference between that. You know, it's very helpful to me to read like audible book reviews whenever I'm reading. And then I like to read the ones that didn't like that as well because it, it informs me. But at, for the most part, I usually don't agree. I usually am like, well, that was a really good book. I didn't care about X, Y, and Z. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I don't know. So anyway, I'll just um, drop that there for a second. Well, no, I mean, just to, just to say, like, it's sort of the law of attraction thing. I think when you focus on the negative, negative stuff happens to you. And so I think those people are, you know, they're creating drama or they're in drama and they have to create more. Maybe I think if you can, look, yeah, if you can look positively at stuff and review positively and not negatively, um, I think that your day goes better just in general because you're focused on what makes you happy, not what makes you miserable all the time. True that. There you have it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to switch the conversation now to uh, a little bit of podcasting innovation. And, and this is, I wanted to share this with you, Jess, because I thought, you know, this would be, this is just like a really great example. Um, so yeah. Microsoft 
Xbox slash Halo 5, right? So this is all together. So Xbox is made by Microsoft, and Halo 5 is, I believe, going to be released very soon. And Halo, if you guys don't know, is a is a video game uh, for the Xbox that has a very intricate sort of storyline within it. Because I'm not a gamer, so I can't really get deeper into it. All I know is that games are a lot better than Centipede was and Tetris was back in the <laughs> day. Donkey Kong. And Donkey Kong, like yeah. back in the day. There's like a whole thing happening and so what there's a so anyway so halo 5 is going to be released and microsoft and i don't know who's been in charge of this because this would be a beautiful conversation to have with with the microsoft peeps what they started was this this podcast and it's called hunt the truth and what's really cool about it is that it's very high highly produced but it's the story of like the main dude the master chief for Halo 5. It's giving like a backstory and it's doing it in like a storytelling format. It's sort of like you're mm. listening to a novel, kind of like an audiobook. And it's giving mm-hmm. all of this really great psychological, personal insight into the Master Chief. And you kind of are looking forward to the release of Halo 5 because it's sort of adding to the storyline of the video game. And it's done in a way that it's completely infused in the e- ecosystem and it's making the fans go nuts. Because why wouldn't you, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're totally into this, why wouldn't you want to hear that? So if you check out uh, huntthetruth.tumblr.com, you'll see that there's so much stuff that's happening behind the scenes about the podcast, about Master Chief, about what the fans are saying, about, you know, ideas or, or things that they feel are going to happen. And what's really cool about Tumblr is that you can add to the conversation, like you can add links, like, and they have a big, huge button right at the top where it gives you like... Like, you know, what do you think about this? And then you can put your information in there and, and put your thoughts or link to media and things like that. So I thought Microsoft's doing a fantastic job with that. And then hat tip to Anne Samoylov, who let me know or us know about it in terms of marketing and using podcasting in this totally, totally innovative way to launch, basically to support a really huge launch uh, for something else that has nothing to do with podcasting. You know, it's kind of like comic books. You know how, like, I mean, and it, and like, if you'll notice, like, in in just regular pop culture and daily life, the cross storytelling goes on for forever. It's like you have the Superman comic books that started however long it started, then you have the Batman, and they're totally separate. One's DC Comics, one's Marvel Comics, and then. Here we are, probably 50, 70 years later after the first comic book came out with those characters, and now they're going to be in a movie together, Superman versus Batman, and there's all this about the Superman backstory, the Batman backstory, and now there's a new show called Gotham, which is more about the Batman story, and then there was Smallville, which was about the Superman. I mean, you can go on and yeah. on and on and, and cross, tell the story, tell it from different angles. There could be a whole show about Jimmy Olsen or Lois Lane or what's his name? The bald dude, the, the evil guy. <laughs> I forget Luther. his name. Lex Thank Luther. Thank you, Lex Luthor. I mean, it could go on forever. And so I think it's really genius that like a video game has caught on to that. But like Pokemon, a long time ago, I just remember like Nate loved the game Pokemon. And like when the cartoon and, the, and they went together, it's like he would watch the cartoon and then he would play the game and he would have like a little affinity for the character based on whatever happened in the cartoon. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. I, and I love it. He liked. It, yep. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. But it's really it's really great to see a company like that that's using like it, that isn't um, 
Because I talked to Danny Pena, my friend uh, who is from Gamer Tag Radio. Yeah. Like I asked yeah. him, I said, like, what do you think about Hunt the Truth? And he said, it's really great to see Microsoft doing it this way. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, most of the other, like, play, you know, other companies that are doing kind of gaming, they're doing gaming podcasts. So they're doing sort yeah. of like the news podcast, like, so, yeah, you know, reviews. yeah, reviews or this, you know, or that video game is coming out, this thing's coming out, um, stay tuned for this and a little maybe be cool because of this. Yeah. Right. I'm a little bit behind the scenes. So yeah, you get the information and if you're a game fanatic gamer, then you totally will suck it up. But there's something about hunt the truth that appeals for everybody. It because it's not like in your face gaming, so you can start to listen to it and you can just get riveted by this really crazy, moody um, show, right? That you can listen to and go like, who is this Master Chief and what is this world? Because it's yeah. it's just, there's no, it's not talking about video games. It's talking about the world. So I just thought it was really brilliant. It's it's a wonderful, good, good call, Microsoft, whoever did that. <laughs> yeah, really smart and a really good way of marketing that's creative and actually benefits the consumer instead of hawking them. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, then it make it might even like, it's making me want to be look at halo five and I've, I've never been a gamer. Yeah, like I want to like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost, but then you come to your senses. Hopefully, yes, absolutely. Then, then I come to my, uh, absolutely. You're right. But still it's making me consider. So that's really great. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. When yeah. hell freezes over is when I'll consider buying Halo. But um, I do like the idea of them being creative about the story. And it's something I would listen to whether there was a game or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and I think that's the key. That's absolutely the key to yeah. it. And so, ladies, if you want to check it out, uh, there's going to be a link in the show notes. Uh, it's huntthetruth.tumblr.com, just in case you guys want to check it out, just to see what they've done. And I think from a branding and marketing perspective, it's and even listening, if you want to hear the podcast as well, it's pretty short. I think it's around 15 minutes. I, I listened to like the first two episodes of it, and it's it's great. I mean, I was really just super psyched about the creativity and the potential of using this medium in this in new ways like that. So... Um, and so now we move on to talking about some crazy TV like usage habits that you've shared with me, Jess. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This was, um, about, yeah, it says the download on podcasts on demand audio is driving TV like usage habits. Oh, maybe no, this is one that I forgot to share with you. So this is not the one you shared with me. So here's like, let me, No, I think I read this though. Did you? Yeah. And so the, Okay, yeah. good. The I last read this morning, actually. The last paragraph of this is what kind of like um, really stuck out to me because he really fills it in pretty well. He says, "What does the future look like? Deeply personalized. That means niche programming that appeals to the individual, available on the user's preferred platform, targeted content whenever and wherever the user wants. That is one reason the podcasting represents a huge opportunity for all radio, not just NPR." Personalizing music output is an expensive challenge for radio because of a technical and licensing complications, but talk on demand audio is nearly free to produce and distribute to the world. So it was interesting because when I read that article, I just thought like, duh, because to me, Ah. you know, like when it comes to like, when I find a new podcast, I, and it's already been produced for a while, I binge listen. 
That's just what you do. And, and I think that's just what you've done in podcasting. It didn't come to TV until later. It's just that I think way people, later, it's way really later, recent, the binging. yeah, binging for Netflix. Yeah. It only came, but that was initially what really sucked me in and why I got so fired up about podcasting in the first place, because it wasn't like, Oh, I'll get an episode on Monday and then have to wait for the next Monday. It was like when I found any of my first podcasts, like podcast 411, I binge listen to almost the entire back catalog in a, in a span of a week. And so what I was doing is I was listening to other podcasts talk about podcasting. And so what happened in that week? I got obsessed about podcasting and I wanted to do that thing. So <laughs> that's what it did for me. So, so it's interesting how they're saying like, oh, and demand audio is driving TV like usage habits. Uh, you're late to the party here, person. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well... Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. I, you know, I didn't really think of it like that. Yeah, I know. That's okay. How did you think about it? Um, I don't know. I sort of thought of it the other way. I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like the way that people are starting to use podcasts, like all of a sudden they're going to start to watch TV that way. Like I thought it back, I guess I thought it backwards than what the article actually said. Like I thought podcasting was driving how people were watching TV instead of the other way around. TV can't really drive how people listen to podcasts. I think you're right. That doesn't make sense. Right. It's just interesting Um, to see, to, to see the mainstream looking at podcasting in the same way that they're looking at binge watching TV shows because of Netflix and Hulu and the Amazon platforms. But the only reason they're making that, that metaphor, that that analogy is because it's the first time that they understand that kind of consumption because people haven't been really aware that you could binge listen Right. It's just, it's kind of like that's par, par for the course for me. That's, that's how I yes. listen to podcasts. But now people are going like, oh, you can listen to it on the go. Like I do Netflix, right? Because now the majority of the population that are just coming into listening can understand that they can do the same thing. So, yes, you're right. But you're right. It is. It's sort of like they finally caught up. Yeah. Both TV and, and, audio has finally, you know, like Nielsen or whatever, Neiman Labs did the analysis saying people are migrant. So, but, but what I think is interesting about this article is just saying like, okay, like for the most part, when you listen to NPR, cause of course it's an article about NPR, right? Yeah. So like when you listen to NPR, normally you get in the car, you turn to NPR on your station, you drive to where you're going you stop, you're done. I've heard like three quarters or one quarter of a Terry Gross interview many times, but not finished it. But what they're seeing is that all of a sudden, people aren't listening to it live anymore. They're only listening to it on podcasting. Huh. But the podcasts are doubling, and the live is diminishing. Bah, that's and they're saying, if, if, yeah, and so they're saying, um, if it sounds familiar, think about how you're watching TV now. Do you wait for it to come on on Sunday, or do you go about your business Sunday and watch it on Monday? And then watch, you know what I mean, or watch them all next Monday. Or whatever. So I think that's why they're just like, oh, here's a download on podcast. All of a sudden, audio is now 
people are starting to now consume all their audio the way they're starting to consume all their TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. That totally makes sense. Yeah, I get that. And that's yeah. very, very interesting because you're right. That's an entire cultural shift. It's not like... Yeah. It's not like, oh, podcasts are the new thing. It's an it's sort of like now we're doing, we want to do everything the way that we do everything. <laughs> it's like, the one thing. The one thing, right, exactly. Right. Um, I, I, I'm much like you. So like um, when I, uh, how, how do you remember what year it was? Oh my God, 2006, I had a job with an hour and a half commute, like one way. And so like I used to work in Pemberton, New Jersey, and I was like the farthest thing ever. And so in the morning, I could catch like my favorite morning radio show, but I would have nothing to listen to in the afternoon. However, then they started a podcast. So what I would do is, and of course, no no um, car had the ability of, of uh, listening to a, a phone or a podcast, you know, so I would have to have earbuds while I was driving, which is so dangerous. But like, um, don't worry, I would have them down low. But anyway, so... Um, <laughs> So I would down, so I would wait one day, download the, so like Monday I would be listening to Fridays and then Tuesday I would be listening to Mondays and so on so that I would have the whole show and I wouldn't, you know what I mean? I wouldn't miss the last half hour, the first half hour, depending on when I got in the car. Yeah. And then they had some best of, so like on days when those guys were on vacation, I could just go back and hear like the monkey episode or whatever. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. But yeah, but right, but it was almost 10 years ago that I was doing that. So like you, like I figured that out early. Like, oh, instead of listening to it on my way from 8 to 9, I'll listen to yesterday's full thing and just listen 8 to 9 in the morning and then, you know, 4 to 5 at night or whatever, whenever I left. But it's cool that I think everybody is starting to do it that way, that they don't want to hear three quarters of an interview anymore. That now that, you know, they want to hear the whole, you know, we want to hear the whole Obama thing. And because it's not on AM on the way to work, I can. Yeah. That's really it's great. I think it's it's, it's cool. totally cool. And I think that's why it's so interesting to hear what the Obama thing as well. Instead of thinking like whenever he's got, you know, whatever state of address that he has coming out, it's it's been so hard for me. I think, you know, it's so interesting. And now that I just think about that, how come that's not offered as a podcast somehow? I mean, even the keynotes from Apple are offered as a podcast, which is how I watch them and how I consume them, yeah. because a lot of the time I can't be there live to watch it. So if that was that if that was offered for me so that I could take it with me while I'm with my girls, I would listen to the president. I would listen to these these things that are happening more if it was even even just an hour or two later or even a day later, if I could just download it and consume it. Because you're you're right. I I do not and, and I think I don't think you do or I don't think anybody does construct our lives around media. Media. I mean, we do, it, it's with us all the time, but we don't do like, oh, today is Monday night. What's on Monday night TV? Oh, this is my, we don't do that anymore. Maybe we should call them, Elsie. Call Obama? <laughs> well, the, just the White House, you know. The White House and tell him we need a podcast of his, of, of his, the main address. Yeah, totally. Well, just whatever he's talking about, they should just put it up there. Yeah. It'll be the easiest thing for people to just keep in mind and, and for them to actually listen to hear what he says instead of the snippets that you get in the news and they pick the snippets that they, you know, when I, see, that's the other thing yeah. too. It's usually news highlight, highlight. Yeah, they're biased. Exactly. They highlight the things that you think, that you think are either the most important, the most controversial, or he stumbled or something. You know, it's the <laughs> only thing that you watch and you see. And we don't get the entire the entire experience is completely different. So anyway, yeah, that's... I think they might have a YouTube. 
But oh. I, I think it would be still good if they could do, you know, export the audio, do both in iTunes, be everywhere, not yeah. just be in one place. Because not everyone knows they have a YouTube or would even guess. Totally. Because right now, obviously, they will get they would they would get iTunes would make sure that everybody knew. I mean, right now, the Mark Maron Obama interview is like front and center in iTunes. So, right. And I'm sure it's going to be that for quite a while as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was that, that we had a good idea, Mr. President. Hopefully you're listening. We're geniuses. We're geniuses. Let's just say it. Mind you, he's almost out the door, though. So maybe we could just. I know. <laughs> focus we'll wait in for on, Hillary. We'll wait for. Yeah. Basically changing uh, as a whole, which is kind of neat to see. I kind of like that. So, ladies, yeah. what, what do you guys think about this? Have you, are you, how is your consumption of media? And but this is the key aspect for all of you because we are talking about podcasting here. How does this knowledge affect the way that you perhaps market your podcast or you get the word out or you even take into consideration who your audience is? Because even though, you know, even though the binge watching seems to be something that is much more common. I don't think midge listening um, in the mainstream is something that happens a lot. So have you felt that from your audience? Do you get people commenting on your stuff because people have binge listened or do you binge listen? Like what are you, how do you consume media? That's actually what I'm interested, especially for you women that listen. How do you consume media? I would I would love to hear feedback about that and play it on the show. Yeah, and are you surprised by that statistic that it's going to st- that everyone is starting to do that with their audio too? Yeah, that's kind of super neat. It seems like people are finally finally getting it. <laughs> so. Yay! Yay! It's an exciting time to be a podcaster. It is very. And speaking of excitement in podcasting, we do have the podcast movement coming up. So if you have not signed up, we have a really nice, solid group of ladies, and we would love for more ladies to be a part of it. Um, if you please sign up like right away so that we can get. Yeah, seats are very limited. Yeah, they're very limited in there. And what was the what was the website again? I mean, what was the URL again? Shepodcast.com slash source. Is that right? Or, or sign? What was it? I don't know. It's podcastmovement.com slash schedule. Oh, okay. I see. Got it. Yeah. And then you can also see it in the show notes. It's right at the top. So if you're listening in the podcast app or any other uh, app of choice, just go over to the show notes, look there, and it's the first link right at the top. So you can just tap in there, go ahead and sign your little pink fingers up. That would be awesome. If you want to send your feedback, you could do it via SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slash ShePodcasts. You can email us at feedback at ShePodcast.com. Um, so those are the great ways to get in touch with us and also join the group, shepodcast.com slash group, which is on Facebook. And sadly, it's only for ladies. But if you want to chat with us via Twitter, you can use the hashtag, uh, hashtag she, <laughs> ask, she P. ask she P. I'm all Shep. What? Ask Shep. Ask Shep. And <laughs> ask then you Shep. can ask Shep. And we will discuss the, our shows with us. So with you guys. So that would be awesome. Yay. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Yay. We yay. Love you. We love you too. Have a funny. Oh my God. The next time it's going to be July. Oh my God. Half of the year is gone, yo. Didn't even believe it. I know. All right. See you later, all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>